You're listening to In Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics, The Nom. Welcome to In Country, a podcast that is taking a complete look at the Marvel comic series, The Nom, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries. This time around, I have a very regular form episode. I'll have a look at an issue of the book and a look at a month's worth of historical context. The issue is The Nom 57. The month is October of 1970, and that's because that's the setting for both issues 57 and 58. I've chosen a song that was never a top 10 hit, but hit number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 in October 1970, which is Express Yourself by Charles White Wright and the Watts 103rd Street Rhythm Band. It's a song that was a signature song for the band and has been sampled and covered a number of times, most notably by NWA in their 1989 song of the same name. It's also been featured in its fair share of commercials. Our story is called Burned, and this is part four of the five-part Death of Joe Hallen storyline. Our writer is Chuck Dixon, Wayne Van Sant penciled, Tony DiZaniga inked, Phil Felix lettered and colored, Don Daly was the editor, and Tom DeFalco was your editor-in-chief. The issue was cover dated June 1991 and came out on April 30th, 1991. The cover is by Andy Kubert, has a yellowish background this time, with Joe kneeling before the smoking hat of his gunnery sergeant, his fatigue shredded, shotgun in his lap, and hand balled into a fist. It's one of the more effective covers of this storyline. And while Kubert goes with the full color on this one instead of letting one or two colors do all the work, the simplicity of the picture and its contrast against the background are incredibly eye-catching. Inside, we have a story that opens somewhere in Cambodia in October of 1970, and Hallen and the guys come upon a POW camp they've been asked to liberate. The quote from Job this time around is from chapter 7, verse 12, and it says, His strength shall be hunger bitten, and destruction shall be ready at his side. They begin sizing up the situation, and it doesn't sound good. They're working for a spook, and they're doing his dirty work. Gunny says that they just have to accept that and do their job because it's probably the quickest way to get them out of there. Plus, there are Americans in that camp and they're going to liberate their fellow soldier. Elsewhere, Speed watches the CIA guy and listens to him talk to the unit who promises to call in artillery but never actually makes the call. Speed, fed up, puts a gun to his head and demands that he explain everything. spilling everything. It's a side mission. It's not CIA sanctions. It's tied to flights that he runs out of Compound Somme, where they will drop rice to the Khmer Rouge in exchange for money. They don't necessarily pay for the money, though, and they usually pay marijuana, which he gets for cash for in Saigon. Speed says that he doesn't, didn't join the Marine Corps to be a drug smuggler. Before that conversation can continue, though, a call comes in from the guys, shots have been fired, and they book it to the camp. 
Marty takes bullets in the leg and the face, and Gunny tells Joe that he'll take care of Marty and that Joe needs to get to the pilots they're supposed to rescue. Joe heads for a hooch where they think they'll find American pilots, but instead they're Chinese nationals. They radio in for an explanation, and Speed picks up and gives them the details. He tells them that there's a dust-off about a mile to their west. The spook, who is completely tied up at this point, says that the Chinese have come have to come with them because the chopper pilots have specific orders to pick up the Chinese and Americans. Under fire, the troops head to the LZ. The chopper pilot sees that the LZ is too hot and gives them another location, but Joe has other ideas and holds a shotgun to the head of the, one of the Chinese in order to get the helicopter pilot's attention. They land and everyone gets on, although the Khmer fighters who are with them want on as well, even telling Joe to throw Marty off the chopper. Joe responds by shooting one of them, and Gunny puts a gun to the head of the chopper pilot and has him take off. Speed gets the spook to explain how the Chinese are involved in this. He said that they were advisors sent to help the Khmer Rouge because the Chinese and North Vietnamese don't really get along since the North is more aligned with the Soviets. So the mission is the Khmer asking the Americans to help their friends. The chopper lands. Speed gets on. The Chinese get off. And just as he's about to get on, the spook finds himself looking at the business end of Joe's shotgun. Joe tells him that he sold them out, and the spook tries to explain himself, but Joe gets on the chopper and leaves him there. On the way back, the chopper is losing altitude because of the damage from the earlier firefight. They try to push it for a few more clicks, but wind up landing near a stream and begin trying to find their way back to familiar territory, where they can call for another chopper. The chopper pilot, who is wearing a shirt with flowers on it and jeans, clearly meant to show he's more of a private interest here than the pilots we have seen in other stories, starts talking about how he flew a chopper in the Marines in, at one point, and Joe just turns to him and says, you was never like us. They hump it through the jungle. Marty's still alive and hanging on. Joe's helping him walk. They come up on Firebase Helen, and Joe signals that they're Marines, and they have wounded. Some of the Firebase starts firing, and Joe yells again, finally getting a reply that a new guy was one who was actually fired on him. Joe lets down his guard, and they head into the camp. Just then, Speed says, Helen. One of those shots hit Gunny. Gunny's dead. And we're to be concluded. I haven't been getting much into the whole idea of quoting the Book of Job at the beginning of each of the issue, but it's clearly a similar type of story. If you're unfamiliar with the story of Job, it's from the Old Testament. And the short version is that Job is a man whom God decides to repeatedly punish horribly in order to test his faith. And I think the lesson learned at the end, because... Job retains his love and faith is that patience is a virtue to have through troubled times and that one's faith can see things through. And it sounds like a very short and simplistic explanation, a pat statement about the story. Uh, in the interest of time and doing it off the top of my head because I read it like 20 years ago, uh, it'll have to do. <laughs> Joe Hallen is clearly the Job of our story here. He's been th through the ringer. First, he's got a tour in Nam, then he comes home to a place where he doesn't feel like he belongs. Then he's being made to do someone else's dirty work. And finally, he has this gunnery sergeant and friend killed by friendly fire. The question remains from here, of course, whether or not he will be okay after all of this. It's another solid issue. In fact, it's one of the better issues in the storyline because the buildup from the last story gets paid off in a big way. We see the mission into the POW camp. We see how this is doing someone else's dirty work. And we get to see a side of the war that hasn't been focused on. And that's the black ops, the spy games, the illegal activity that was perpetuated by either rogue agents or our own government. 
The way that Van Sant and Dizaniga draws the CIA spook is great because he's in khaki pants, black shirt, khaki vest with pockets in it like a field photographer would use. And I think he totally looks like a spook. It's almost like Dixon and Van Sant were going for their own version of like Felix Leiter from the James Bond movies or something. Anyway, back to the story. There isn't a lot of fat to trim. We see a rescue that isn't exactly what they thought it would be. Uh, we see this rescue. We see this rescue end with a helicopter crash, and then we get this twist of Gunny, uh, which they sort of foreshadowed on the cover, but not to the extent that they felt that the cover spoiled it. I mean, he's killed by friendly fire, um, and having Speed pull a gun on this spook so that he could explain to Speed and by extension us what exactly was going on was a really good plot device. This is an issue where I definitely felt more sympathy toward Joe as well. He seemed to come off as a pretty honorable man, even if he does have quite a quick temper. But he looks out for his guys, and we'll see more of that in the next issue, especially since we do have that twist at the end with Gunny being killed. This is clearly the things get worse before they hopefully get better chapter of the story, and it works incredibly well for the overall story arc because we are getting more and more into the trials of Joe Hallen, hoping more and more that he'll come out unscathed from this, and that his anger won't get him into trouble. But his friend dying is definitely the type of thing that might send him over the edge. It's a solid cliffhanger to end on, and it definitely has strengthened the overall story, so I can't wait for the conclusion next time. I'll be back in a bit with historical context, letters, and ads. My name is Stella, and I host Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. I, along with my dear friend Donovan Morgan Grant, are going to be hosting a special Backroll to Oracle episode called The Minority Report. I'm putting the call out right now for anyone that identifies himself or herself as a minority to have a discussion centering around this question. Are minorities portrayed properly in media? Now, Donovan Morgan Grant and I will be leading this discussion and would like your input. So whatever your nationality, ethnicity, gender identification, or sexual orientation, if you are interested in being a part of this conversation, please contact me at backrotooracle at gmail.com. This discussion will take place in early 2016. Heterosexual white males need not apply. Thank you, and I look forward to hearing from you. In fact, I think we should record a promo about all the changes to the Fire & Water Podcast Network happening this year. 
What do you think, Rob? That's a great idea. We can mention the new folks joining the network and all the shows. I can talk about how we'll continue with our Aquaman and Firestorm show. And I want to be sure to plug my movie show, The Film and Water Podcast. What about you, Ryan? Oh, I think we should definitely record a promo. I'll mention how the Secret Origins podcast is joining the Fire and Water Network. And then I'll introduce my newly relaunched shows, Give Me Those Star Wars and Power of Fishnets, the Black Canary and Zatanna podcast. Sound good to you, Chris? Absolutely. I'll mention the show I record with my lovely wife, Cindy, Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast. We should probably also mention the Power Records podcast Rob and I do, too. What about you, Siskoid? Well, sure. I can talk about my ensemble show, the Lonely Hearts Romance Comics podcast, and my new upcoming shows about the DC Comics crossover event, Invasion, and yes, Oh Hot Moo. Shag, you think we should mention Hero Points, the most occasional DC Heroes role-playing podcast? Sure, why not? And I can talk about Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe, and mention my new upcoming show, Justice League International, Wahaha podcast. Now, here's what I'm thinking. When we record, I'm fine being the first person talking. I can explain all the changes to the Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Why do you get to start the promo? I'm just as much of a part of this as you are. It was my idea to create the Fire and Water podcast back in 2011. I should start off this promo. I kind of think it should be one of the new voices who kick off the promo. It'll shock the listener into attention if it's not Rob or Shag. Cindy and I make up two people in the network. Plus, you know, ladies first, so we should be the first people talking on the promo. Ben voyons donc. You have what? got uh, what? French Enough! Stop it. You're like boys with toys. Let's just make this simple. We can tell the folks at home the Fire and Water Podcast Network is growing in 2016. Several new shows are joining the network. We'll have a new dedicated website, a Twitter account, and Facebook page. And folks will be able to subscribe to each individual show or all of them. See, now was that so hard? Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available soon through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and fireandwaterpodcast.com. Seriously, Shag, you had to get the last word, didn't you? October 1970 sees a few events in the Vietnam War. On October 7th, the government of North Vietnam rejects a peace resolution put forth by President Nixon, calling it a maneuver to deceive world opinion. The resolution was one to call a ceasefire until peace could be agreed upon. October 12th sees an announcement of a withdrawal of 40,000 troops by Christmas. October 24th, the NVA makes another incursion into Cambodia. And on October 30th, a huge monsoon, the worst in six years, hits the country and kills 293 and leaves 200,000 people homeless, bringing a virtual halt to the action of the war. And once again, this is going to be a shorter episode this time around because there are no letters. Uh, There's no letter column in this one. Uh, we do have some ads. We do have some more more, um, more newer ads. Uh, we have an ad for Battletoads, which I remember this game. <laughs> the ad says, compared to Battletoads, turtles seem like pond scum. Dude, if you're ready for a game that totally, T-O-A-D, kicks butt, get Battletoads with 12 leaping levels, levels of fierce fighting and radical racing for one or two players from Trade West which also offers Solar Jetman Fastbreak, uh, Super Off-Road, the Double Dragon, Game Boy games, and High Speed. Uh, Battletoads, I remember it has this, one of those reputations being a really, really hard game. A couple of them, I, I might have played it like once or twice. Uh, I don't think I found it very, very easy. And I think by this time, I really wasn't buying that many new Nintendo games. Um, remember, Super Nintendo was just about on its way. A lot of people were buying, were playing Game Boy 
and um, yeah, I think I was in like junior high at this point, so I would get the occasional game, and I think I was playing a lot of the Dragon Warrior games and stuff like that, but nothing on the level of um, what I would play like maybe a few years before. So a lot of these later Nintendo games I kind of missed out on, which I think a lot of people did. I mean, some of them were pretty valuable because there weren't as many produced, and they were kind of hard to get a hold of. Plus, Nintendo games, I mean, just as they are now, were expensive. So it's not like I could save them. It was hard to save up your money and buy one for yourself. You had to pay like $40, $50, unless you were getting like one of the really cheap, cheap games, uh, like a Home Alone or something like that that was still retailing for nineteen ninety nine. Anyway, uh, Fleer has the same ad uh, with... I just crack up at this Dwight Gooden card. The ProVision series uh, where it's just a shot of Gooden, you know, in his... Uh, you know, with the, with the knee up, ready to throw the ball, but the ball, but the mitt's on fire, you know? Like, because he's throwing, he's throwing fire or something. So hot it's burned the flesh from your hands. That smells really gross. Uh, there is a risk type of strategy game called A Line in the Sand, which is the strategic and diplomatic simulation of Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Um, I had a game, I think I've mentioned it before, called Axis and Allies, which is a World War II strategy game. And this this game uh, is Saudi Arabia, I see Jordan, um, Turkey, like the Middle East. Uh, it includes a full-color mounted map board, a 20-page basic game rulebook. 20 page 16 page diplomatic version rule book so i can imagine how long this took to set up just like a day i think 162 stand-up counters diplomatic message pad seven diplomatic envelopes six player aid cards it says an exciting simulation that captures the international drama and explosive persian gulf conflict appeals to all fans of military strategy and political intrigue easy to learn fast to play five different scenarios each can be played in one to three hours you know after you spend five hours setting it up realistic simulation Based on actual events, players choose diplomacy or state-of-the-art weaponry, create secret packs with neighboring countries, and hours of nonstop action, you command the military forces of Operation Desert Storm or Iraq. The game has received national news coverage on TV, newspapers, and radios. It's headline news by the surefire winner today. Interesting. Never heard of that. Not at all. NBA Hoops uh, Pro Basketball Cards. You know what they... You know they can play. What else do you know? So, um... Fun facts about people uh, and trivia that I guess that's on on the back of the card, which shows, you know, action shots of NBA players. Science fiction book club again. Uh, uh, the Star Trek novel Prime Directive. I think I read that one. I think I liked that one, too. I think I remember reading that one. It was an interesting one. Uh, nothing else that I recognize or read in this one, but you can still choose any five for one dollar. You get a free tote with your membership. The same, we have uh, the Dungeons and Dragons new game. It's here, the same one that was in the back cover. And coming on June 21st is the Rocketeer. To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, it was an instrument of destruction. A creation that could change the course of history. It was stolen from my factory. Where's the package? This is the FBI! What do we tell the president? Tell me exactly why this merchandise is so important to the feds. It's a rocket. 
A rocket? Ow! What? What's the matter? I don't know. There's something under the seat. Oh, my. What do we got here? What are you supposed to do? Is it a bomb or something? No. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. How do I look? Like a hood ornament. Stand clear. What was that? Are you trying to kill yourself? I like it. Uh-oh, we got company. You steer, I'll push. Well, what? I want that rocket, Eddie. Not next week, not tomorrow. Now. Keep your eyes open for this dame. Jenny's in trouble. <gasps> They're working for a Nazi agent. With an army equipped with these, you could rule the world. Cliff! You touch one hair on her head, I swear out. <laughs> Shoot him! We've got the girl. The rocket will come to us. I love her, Peeve. Does she know that? She's gonna find out. Let him have it! Hand over the rocket! Go get him, kid. Same bullpen bulletins. There is a t-shirt ad that shows uh, there's a Spidey, Hulk, and Captain America t-shirt, a 50 Years of Captain America t-shirt, and what looks like a Silver Surfer t-shirt. That 50 Years of Captain America t-shirt looks really cool. It's Cap holding his shield high, leading the charge, holding the flag in the other hand with all the other Marvel heroes like behind him. Really, really good stuff. Back cover, uh, NBA jamming on Game Boy with NBA All-Star Challenge, but on the inside back cover to close this out, we have another Three Musketeer Adventures. This is number five in the series. Deep in the Mayan jungle, a team of jungle explorers stumbles upon the lost Tomb of the Last Mayan King. We found it! These symbols say to go this way. Hold your torches high, we're almost there. Incredible! Should we take it to the museum? No, let's eat it here. That's a big Three Musketeers bar. Where will Three Musketeers turn up next? Big on chocolate. And that is it for this episode of In Country. I'll be back with the final part of the Death of Joe Howland in a couple weeks. Until then, thanks for listening and take care. You have reached the end of another episode of In Country. All stories and characters are copyright Marvel Comics, and all other media referenced are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only. Feedback can be sent to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com, and you can follow the podcast at facebook.com slash incountrypodcast. Show notes and extras can be found at popcultureaffidavit.com. This podcast is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which is a division of the Demanzacor of Milan, Italy. Please support this podcast and all the other Two True Freaks podcasts by using the Amazon.com link at twotruefreaks.com anytime you shop. It costs you no extra money, but really helps us all out. 
Thank you for listening, and join me next time for the latest chapter in the saga of The Nom. Uh, love, uh, hey.